Are you confused about what to eat, how to train, what to do? Is it all getting a bit too much? Your fitness routine is looking like a shopping list of things you try. Every time you go into the gym, you're trying a new routine and a diet each and every single week. In this episode of The Wolf Stand by Enterprise Fitness, we are gonna be smashing and debunking many of the fitness myths that need to die. I am joined by James Kelly, the Kelly of the James Enterprise Manager and Tyrone Fellonino. Fellonio. Let's practice again. Uh, no, uh, I give up. I'm done. I'm out of here. Fellino for all those listening at home and in their car and wherever you're doing. Yes, um, he's been here for five years and I haven't been able to say his name. It's almost as good as Aldred or Aldred. 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 Yeah, but that one's, yeah, but that one's weird. Like, that was your background's one. actually Italian. That's the worst part. I still call it Aldred. Yeah. Um, Aldred. Anyway, let's get into fitness myths, not about my pronunciations of names and dyslexia. <laughs> so you can only eat 30 grams of protein at any one time. Now, that myth has been persisted for some time. It came from, I believe, a study that was done on a external, what they built was a external kind of digestive tract and they tested 30 grams of protein and that was it. Are we talking food 30 grams or macro, macro 30, grams? 30 grams? Have you there heard go, that myth? There goes my double meals. Yeah, this is an old one. A very old one. Is this still around? Yeah, that's still, people go, I can only eat 30 grams of protein per meal. It's all the body can absorb. No, that's what the study, they tested with 30 grams of protein. That's not to say you can only absorb 30 grams. Take some, like, some more just 50 gram. <laughs> Surf. Yeah, it's not much at all. Yeah. If that was the thing, let's say for me, for example, I weigh 90 kilos and you're getting nearly 200 grams of protein at only 30 grams surf. I would be, be eating, all eating all day, day non stop. Yeah. So eat your protein, folks. Yeah. But th- yeah. That's just right, that's not a thing fire. anymore. The that's next just... one cardio is the best form of exercise. Agreed. <laughs> Coming from a soccer player. Why? why? Hang on. But you deadlift 200 kilos. Yeah. Nah, you've done look. 200 kilos. Yeah, you've done more. And you bench 140. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah, 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 but look, nah, I think, I don't think, what was, what was the, the myth? Cardio is the best form of exercise for body composition. Nah, like definitely not, right? I think it has its place. I probably think it's more important than what you two do. No, 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 that, no, I'm a convert. Oh, I'm a convert. Tyron's on his seven, yeah. seven days a week. <laughs> I'm a convert. <laughs> since since I've been do, having to do cardio for the last 12 weeks, no, like 14 weeks straight. Why are you a convert? There is a lot of research and studies coming out that it does improve improves recovery, high VO2 max improves recovery, then also allows for more work to be done you know, within your strength training. And you know what? I think you look at the proof, there's a bit of proof in the pudding. And if I look around just here, you look at James, who plays soccer, has a soccer background. You look at Maddie, has a soccer background. You look at Cristiano, has a soccer background. Have incredible physiques, but also recover really well and get really fucking strong. I get really strong, but I'm just, you know. I don't have a physique that looks as good then. And I've been doing cardio for, you know, whether it's been five days, three days, it's only three days in my room for, for the last, you know, 12 months. And my HIV has gone up in, in a good way. So it's gone up to, it sits around 50 now. Yes, it's not as good as yours. We know that. But, I, but, I think but, but my recovery is better. My sleep's better. I'd probably say my mood's a bit better. I don't yeah, know, you guys, yeah, my mood's a bit better. I, I don't have to listen. To, I, that could I, be the medication though too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe in little things. Like I noticed... Like, even the music I listen to, like I trained with a podcast the other day. I could never train with a podcast. I deadlift. I actually, I was actually deadlifting this morning with podcast on. I was like, well, this is weird. Whereas normally I'd need like huge amounts of heavy metal. So in saying that though, it's important up until a point. Like if you like the way you were with your conditioning, then it's obviously a lot more important than compared to say James. So I think when we look at cardio, it's, I always go back to it for what purpose. Context, it's the classic context, 
versus content. Cardio is important, yes, but for body composition, you need to have muscle mass and what's going to build muscle mass is your weight training. But it, what's the constraint? Is your constraint, say for you, which you've been training for a long time, your constraint is your ability to recover. So therefore, cardio does take a higher precedent. Whereas for me, I don't feel like my ability is to recover. It's my joints at this point in time. Tickle. It's good for my joints too. <laughs> I just get elliptical. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine Mark on that. Elliptical. That'll be a sight to see. Man, I, when I was prepping hey, for shows, time. like when I did comps like 20 years ago now, I did a lot of cardio. A lot of cardio. I've done my hours of cardio. Yeah, but there's no Netflix back then. It's there's different no Netflix. now. It's di- now it was Netflix. different because all you had was your brain and you just, you, you know, you had a Walkman that would go flat at a certain point. And you a what? Start, well, I, I, know, I, I know what it is, but I'm just trying to reiterate on how old you are. The fact yeah. that you I think Amy and Marty and stuff will listen to this and be like, what's a Walkman? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, you had that. And then, uh, yeah, I know, but I look great for my age. I mean, 105, it's pretty good. Diet <laughs> works. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm not even gonna touch that. Actually, I, I am older than you. You are older. You look older than me. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm starting to look younger now that I've been doing cardio. But on your point, I think with cardio, it's it goes alongside strength training a lot more now, and I'm for that to put a long strength training much more now than it used to be. Whereas just do strength training, just do strength training. That old, I remember what I like. You remember when treadmills used to have like zone one, zone two, zone three. Yes, that's coming back again. Yes, and the zone two is like really shown to increase recovery and obviously VO2 max and that does help with I think with the oxidation of fat cells and whatever else but it is I have found it to be a lot more important to put alongside compliments at night yeah compliments but not only that I think as well like I've got a client who's an, uh, an emergency doctor and he enjoys running so I've actually found that putting that in actually helps reduce his stress levels and then he actually he's actually had better body composition from that and then we'd able to give him more food as well because he's training more. So he enjoys that runner's high. So like, why take it off him? You enjoy it, but you, and you're training four days a week here. So we'll go for it. I think even aside from body comp, if we look at just the physiological things it can improve. So if we look at things like blood pressure, chances of heart disease, these types of things, just improve an overall mortality rate. It has a pretty big place as well, I think. And then Tyrone said it complements strength training i find in terms of that recovery time being able to get rid of byproducts a lot faster during your sessions those types of things it's certainly not completely bad no if someone had four hours a week in their training and they need to build muscle we're not including it fair to say Uh, maybe three three and one i would include a little bit for sure right yeah i just help people buy a treadmill now buy what but just buy a treadmill yeah yeah why don't you just go for a run outside well, in the elements, yeah, it's, it could be raining here in Melbourne. We're in bit Melbourne. of Vladimir like, Yeah, but we're but okay. But if you look at someone who's busy, like for me last night, I was on my treadmill downstairs. Yeah, last night I was actually because I was busy all day and I had the kids and I really didn't want to go outside because it was cold. So I went downstairs. Yeah. Convenience in the winter. Months. I, I, I feel like you and you I still want, got my heart rate. That aero bike thing though, rather than the treadmill. Yeah, I got an air bike and a brawler at home. I've got the so. basics. James has got the next level. You would go aero bike over treadmill? It depends how I'm feeling. I think air bike's just convenient because it's in my garage, right? And if I've got to run, I've got to go outside, which in well, the cold. Well, if you're feeling good, run. you go for a run. If you're feeling bad, you go for aero bike? Oh, not necessarily if I'm feeling bad, just weather is a. I like the air bike, though. Isn't it? Is it it's because it's harder? No, it's just it's nice. But for intervals, I find it really good for intervals. I think, intervals. look, the benefit with an air bike is you remove a lot of a lot of impact on the joints right yeah. which for some people if they're doing heavy strength training can be very beneficial so and things like the rower and the air bike can be useful to minimize more load through the joints how often do you row 
how often do I row? Yeah. Not super regularly at the minute because I'm running three, four you days. Get a week. the fan effect from your bike too, it cools yeah. you down. So. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes I use the air bike as like a recovery method after I play as well, just to turn the legs. You might even say it's only fan. <laughs> but yeah, I think, look, I think to maybe close this subject off and move on to the next one, I think it has its place. Um, I don't think it's inherently bad or it's not bad at all in, in my opinion. I think there's lots of things that it does improve if you have the ability to incorporate it alongside your strength training. I think it will improve your gains in the gym, whether it's strength or hypertrophy. And yeah, that's what I've seen from using it myself and incorporating it with others. The only other thing I would add to that is your cardio routine should complement what you're doing in terms of your strength routine. What I mean by that is if you're training for maximal strength, then your cardio really should be sprints rather than long distance in that phase. You're like, oh, I don't know about that. Mm, Whereas if you're training for bodybuilding and you want that hypertrophy benefit, then complementing the energy system that you're working with hypertrophy so for example instead of being alactic you move to lactic if it's bodybuilding that's one of the adjustments i made in terms of strength and i did find that that complemented my strength training a lot like i got a real increase in grains when i brought when i was like training for max load one rms etc doing more of my cardio based in sprinting versus if it's hypertrophy body composition well that alactic so it's 40 60 seconds work so it's versus say 100 meters versus 400 meters essentially so complementing or even 800 meters in some cases i don't necessarily so jump in i don't necessarily disagree but i think you would then have to manage because if we look at sprint and ride it's it's a percentage of one rm like you do a sprint mm -hmm. it's supposed to be max effort no different to lift and heavy so then you would have to manage the nervous system fatigue if you were doing a couple of sprint sessions a week alongside heavy lifting as well True. that would be my only kind of if, if you're a noob on the side. at sprinting like I am, that's doesn't it, really right? matter because there's no one. You're not. It's not really near your one RM. It max. wasn't really a sprint, was yeah. it? It's cardio. It was a flood. <laughs> Twenty seconds later. So we all agree it's beneficial. It's beneficial. It's beneficial. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Not a soul. Just do both. Just do both. Yeah. Just do both. Yeah. Just do both. A little bit of each. Yeah. But a bit more weight. Training. Sprinkle yeah. this. Sprinkle that. Yeah. 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 But not as important as weights. <laughs> James as important <laughs> no I think uh, yeah I think and this is why the myth this is because it's not black and white no it's, it's not, not it's, it's not. not and I'm really on a fan so even my, one of my last programs I was doing I was on the sled I know a lot of the guys that are listening to this that work here don't believe that I'm on the sled but I was on the sled before I was doing deadlifts I can't remember the exact reason for sled? it no forward sled yeah sprints oh as an A series, and then I was doing B series three to five deadlifts. Mm. I can't remember the reason. Juicy. Stefan told me, but I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> your heart needed to beat again. <laughs> so it was, yeah, but then I was, but then I was doing steady. I was doing low intensity, steady state in my other days. So just do both. Do both. On myths being black and white, what do you think about carbs being bad in a fat loss phase? In a fat loss phase, I think calories matter. In a fat loss phase, and I think. But you know what? There's a lot that goes into this. And I think going along with even my experience with my last two coaches is it depends on the person as well. And I know you and I have touched on a lot of the, on the team with this a lot lately where just because studies have shown, well, you know, the body can handle about 500, store about 500 grams of carbs um, plus 100 grams in the liver. It doesn't mean that you can bump everybody up to nearly 500 grams of carbs no. and then keep the rest of their calories down I, I for myself for instance do much better pretty much a 30 30 split so once my proteins accounted for i then do well with reasonable well, 
one it's about one gram per kilo of body fat of fat the wall like, ratio the wall ratio yeah i found the same thing yeah, like yeah. i'm a pretty Europeans, much split. the wall ratio the only time i did really well high carb was actually was when i was training with liam that was because i was just brutal, brutal workouts yeah, and workouts. it was literally like i could feel the carbs just being depleted but i think it's important you know it's not that carbs, carbs don't make you fat carbs don't make you lean although if you're doing a photo shoot you do need to introduce carbs towards the end or if you're coming up to comp right really, really important what? right really? yeah if you are going to pull those carbs away i just wrote a peak week yesterday i can tell you straight off straight off the bat you do need to bring those carbs in towards the end and also try sprinkle a little bit of sodium in there because that helps shuttle the carbohydrates into the muscle right but also make sure you've got a good potassium balance that, that right? sounds like that's science. a key tip that sounds like science not bro science um, I, I try <laughs> yeah i have i've got a good example of carbs being super beneficial for body comp with ari at the moment so I've had Ari on a pretty aggressive deficit for the last four weeks. We can tell. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I we like sure him on a deficit. He's, he's, <laughs> he's very quiet. He's very quiat. <laughs> Keep Hi, Ari. behind receptive. <laughs> but no, back to the point. So he's been on a relatively aggressive deficit for the last four weeks, getting him ready for a photo shoot. Now, he got to the point where I could see his energy was starting to really taper off. So like I could see his mood was changing, his energy was dropping, his training intensity wasn't as high. And what I opted for was giving him a two-day refeed over the weekend. And when I say two-day refeed, I just bumped his carbs up on both days. And lo and behold, extra carbs, he dropped about a kilo of body weight and about 0.7% body fat by just introducing more carbs. And he was still in a deficit, but we just increased his carbs. So you know what I'm gonna do right now? Now I'm gonna bust that whole magic thing as well because we all know it's not magic, right? And everyone's gonna go, oh, you know, it didn't work. I tried, it didn't work. Okay, what's happening there is a couple of things. Is one, increasing the carbs, and then he's going to train harder, right? So he has, would have had some great sessions, right? Also, by increasing the carbohydrates, his cortisol levels will come down. So his body would have been under an immense amount of stress for the last four weeks, right? So a lot of that inflammation's come down, right? Therefore, he's dropped a lot more body fat. And in turn, he would have upped his knee as well. So he would have become just a lot more fidgety. He would have come to life, as we actually all did see him come to life. So that's where, you know, although there's a lot more, there's missing out going, oh, but refeeds don't work. But yes, they do. Well... There's no, yeah, there's people no, go there's wrong no science behind it. Is they go, I mean, it's always that bell curve, right? You want to eat enough so you can bump up and get out of that home, not homeostasis. The, well, it is homeostasis. It's a hematic adaption. Yeah. You want to bump that out of that hematic adaption, but you don't want to go so far that you spill over. So it's kind of a game of what you can get away with. And the other thing I would say about carbs is that, and the reason why it's so integral for fat loss and for performance is because one molecule of glucose equals 32 to 36 units of. ATP energy. And what do you use when you're strength training? ATP energy is the first zero to 20 seconds of fuel source that you're going to have when you do anything. So if you take away glucose to that's going to energize essentially what you're the main energy substrate of what you're going to use when you train then of course your workouts are going to suck. And what do you need to change body composition? You need to have great workouts. Otherwise, so I always find with carbs and even the thing is like if you go and look at athletes who are super pro um, like keto for example. And then they talk about cyclical keto, which is basically just timing your carbohydrates around your workout. Why did they figure out, oh, actually, I should probably time my carbohydrates around my workout because of the exact physiological reason they I just said. energy? You need energy, 100%. And the preferred fuel source is, and don't get me wrong, for those who are keto advocates, the main function of the keto diet and where it really applies is if you have epilepsy, keto diet's the way to go. And there is a lot of research that shows that if you have epilepsy, Keto diet will help manage your seizures. Now, for everyone who's, who doesn't have epilepsy and outside of that and who wants to perform, 
then carbohydrates are absolutely going to be beneficial to your performance because of fundamental physiology of fueling that ATP energy system. And you're not going to get out of that. The other thing in terms of what we're talking about, and I've had the same thing where I've had competitors who they weren't making any... Pro One example always comes to mind is Karim. He wasn't... Like, three weeks in a row, he was at 7% body fat. And I'm like... And then for three weeks in a row, I bought his calories lower. And to the point where he was having like barely any carbs. And then I said, all right, we're not... This approach, we're not getting where we want to go. This, I can't take any more out. Let's give you that refeed. He earned the refeed. In a week, he ate... Like I increased his fat, increased his carbs. That next week, he went to 5% body fat. and just lose 1% or 2% yeah. and broke through that plateau. And again, it's that busting that hematic adaptation. But again, the key thing is you don't want to be introducing, when we say carbs, it doesn't mean go eat a bag of lollies. Or a pizza. Or a pizza. It means let's increase a manageable source of carbohydrates under a measured controlled environment but it is more than you normally eat but it's not a, it's not a buffet it's not a free-for-all and that's again why you generally find that competitors for instance will tend to lose more body fat and more weight when it comes to peak week because they have been depleting and then you start to bring those carbohydrates in and they just start to lose a bit more and you kind of chase it which is, it is not necessarily a bad thing i've got that with mine at the moment it was that too late to go for a refeed because obviously peak week starts tomorrow Monday, but at the same time, I'm just, this is probably what's going to happen anyway. It's going to bring those carbs in come the start of the week, and you're just going to start to drop as we go through. Before we move to the next myth, I need to say my most carbs consumed before a comp I've ever seen was by Janet Kane before the A and B. I think it was 2008. She had an ice cream container full of Crunchola. I don't know if they even make Crunchola anymore. I think it was yeah. two two boxes, and she ate the whole thing. I think it was start, she started eating at about 6 p.m. and ate it and then the rest of it that morning. So two boxes of cereal and she was... I think I, I was going to top you. That. Yeah, I can top you. I, can I wait, go wait. first. Yeah, go. And it was actually one of your clients. He might not have ever told you. I thought he might have though. Yeah. So when you train Chris for okay. his comp yep. in the Gold Coast, yep. the night before he had a 12 box of crispy, uh, a 12 box of Krispy Kremes on a full bottle of red wine. I <laughs> <laughs> got up on stage the next day and won. No, I didn't tell yeah. me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Trust Chris to... to oh, yeah. oh, is it? My, mine's my unicorn. That's a lot of carbs. My, my unicorn, one of ours, Cristiano. 800 Yum. grams wow. of programs. And I think we even added more. What, 800 what, grams. What, that's a lot of carbs. What, that's a lot of carbs. Yeah. How did you get break that down? What's that? That's 10 grams per kilo. Yeah, how did I break it down? He ate 800 grams of carbs. That's he, why. When he, you say 800 grams of carbs. Okay, okay. So his photo shoot, like his photo shoot prep contained a hell of a lot of chocolate sorbet. It was like oh, yeah. honey, tell me chocolate that? sorbet. Because it's easy to eat. And easy, to easy to eat, easy to get down. And it was basically, even on the peak week, I was like, okay, before we did peak week, because he was consuming so many carbohydrates, I was like, tell me what you feel best on. Tell me what no, you train best on. I want to do prep with you. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what gives you <laughs> the best cool idea. I think he had chocolate sorbet on the morning of his photo shoot. You know why? Cardio. <laughs> <laughs> it's that soccer background. All right, we'll probably move to the next one. Can I just, I'll just wrap us up. The way I like to explain this to clients is... We obviously have our baseline calories, which is our BMR plus our activity. And then we have our BMR, which is essentially the cost to keep the lights on, if we want to look at it that way. That is good. I like that. Yeah, steal that. Now, if we sit below that BMR for too long, that's what our the amount of energy our body needs to just run the daily functions, right? So if we sit below that for too long, then the body has to start to down-regulate certain things. So probably one of the first things you'll see for comp clients that goes when they're in a pretty aggressive deficit 
is their sex drive, right? Because that's no longer an essential function of the body. So it doesn't need to take like energy five. and use it for that thing. It's trying to focus on the essentials of survival. So just right? for those who are just listening to us in podcast, <laughs> Tyrone's getting his little pinky and moving it up and down. Yes, it's his little wiener. Yeah, so the way I like to look at that is if someone's been below BMR for quite a long time, these things are going to start to downregulate. So once we add in, let's say, a refeed and we give their body more fuel, then it's going to have more energy to start to upregulate these things again. And essentially, when we start to upregulate things, the body can start to make changes at a lot faster rate, right? Which is generally where we see weight can drop quite significantly. We just have lovely clients driving by the time. And in most cases, body fat comes down as well, right? Because Tyrone said, you, you bring carbs up. If we look at cortisol and insulin, so they have an inverse relationship. So if cortisol is high, insulin is low, vice versa. So you have a big influx of carbs. We drive insulin up. We bring cortisol down. That stress response comes down. And generally, it makes it a little bit easier to get leaner. And just on that, to add another thing, this is why we've super stressed out people or as we discussed in one of our other podcasts, like very busy professionals, business people, it's not always a good thing to have them on low carb because again, if we have a good amount of carbohydrates, it can help actually bring that stress response down and lower that cortisol that they've probably got pumping around their system. I feel like we're a little bit passionate about this topic. Yeah, you know what? I, I do think with carbs are, for the win, we are and the best system for carbohydrates. I think is the, the bio signature, like the upper back fat, of an indicator of how hard you can go with carbs. Because I have found that quite accurate over the years. Where if someone is below that eight on the upper back fat, you can give them a hell of a lot of carbs. You don't need to deserve a lick of a prune. Yeah, that, that I don't <laughs> agree with. That that it's yeah. Look, that's probably way too aggressive and probably took way too literal. I think, but I think that there is besides that part. There is the, if they are below eight, they definitely can have a lot more carbs. And that intermediate, like you and I, for example, where we're not like super low, but we're not super high. It's kind of like 33, 33, 33% split is perfect. People always have a tolerance, right? Like mine's pretty high. We know. I can eat a lot of carbs. Yeah. yeah. You're an asshole. And I stay shredded. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen. Yeah. You say fats make you fat, but they don't. We've pretty much covered that. It's just Let's kind of, unpack fat though. Let's unpack. Well, because you know, why do people think fat makes us fat? Because it because starts with the same letter. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's fat. Yeah. Let's unpack let's, the difference between between fat we consume in our diet and body fat as stored energy. Well, it comes, down, it comes down to the same thing as carbohydrates. Like, at the end of the day, it's energy balance, right? You consume too much, too many calories from carbs, from fats or carbs, or yeah, protein probably increases in some energy. But anyways, that's a different point. You increase too much, eat too much fats from calories from fats, too many calories from carbs, you're going to get fat. Mm. It doesn't matter really which one it is. It's just... At the end of the day, calories matter. But yes, obviously, then there's a whole caveat of things that go underneath it. But I think, yeah, I think because it starts with the same thing is people really... Well, I think where people go wrong yeah. with it is obviously one, one gram of carb equals four calories and one gram of protein equals four calories. What is happening with you? <laughs> so my chair is constantly making <laughs> me... That was funny. Well, this is where people... Yeah, well, it, it, but then fat, creep obviously... Up. One, it creeps up. One, like my chair. One, one <laughs> calorie of fat so one gram of fat equals nine calories, which is, I think, where some people go, if I eat 60 grams versus I'm going to eat a lot more cal- Obviously, you're going to eat, you can eat double the amount of fat than you can carbohydrates. Sorry, half the amount of fat than you can carbohydrates, right? So I think that's maybe where sometimes people's c- perception of fat, maybe that fat makes them fat comes from. But I actually don't think that. I think it really is just as simple as if I eat fat, therefore, if I eat animal fat, 
then that's going to store the same fat on me. Which is, just is that like the people that think if they all walnuts, it's going to improve brain health? Yeah, correct. I think brain? it's the same thing. Maybe I don't know. I'm speculating here. Where does this come comes from? Because you just wrote, you just did the enterprise diet book. There's yeah. a shameless plug for you. Yeah, thank you. Right. Um, <laughs> where's your shameless plug, James? <laughs> we'll get it nice guy. It. Where does it come from? I mean, you would have done. A, I know you've done a whole lot of research because obviously we've been here with you over the last few years watching you do this book, and you've done research upon research. Yep. Did you find where this myth comes from? Where the where fat makes you fat come from? Yeah. No, but I did find out where three square meals a day comes from. Square, three square meals. People say you eat three, three square meals a day. That's generally the recommendation. People eat three meals a day. Okay. Right. Yeah, you've heard that. <laughs> I've one. never heard it called three square meals. Though. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, three, three square meals a day is what... And the reason why it's three square meals a day is because... In the Navy. So before that. In the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> and it was like 1850s, right? Around this time. It was around that era. The Navy gave their naval officers three meals. On square plates. On square plates. And that's where it came from. But before that. And, that, and then in prints, it was referred to as in the Navy, they give three square meals a day. And then people want to sign up to Navy to get the three square meals a day. But if you were really poor, then you weren't eating three square meals a day. You were finding scraps basically and eating here and there and it was like finding something that's what it was referred to as and obviously the more wealthy you were the more food you could afford and the more you could eat but the idea of eating three meals a day or having a breakfast or having these kind of constructs of when we're supposed to eat are real actually modern ways of eating because food prior to that culturally it was always about relational value in actual fact if we were part of a tribe or you're in your tribe and i've got my tribe or families in the same tribe for me to connect with you, we would exchange food. And food was currency a lot of the time. And if I wanted you to be part of or take part in something that was of value to me and that, we would connect and have relationships over food. So food, the, one of the big constructs with food is the social implications that it has. And I think now that food aspect has been transferred for drinking. So people drink a lot more and socialize with drinking rather than, hey, let's get together and make. So if you look at like wogs, like you and I, the Italians, We'd have like sugo day where we'd make sauce and pasta and would eat. You've married. I'm an Italian now. Yeah, by by marriage, huh? Um, You'd make the sauce and you make the pasta, and that would bring the family together. And you would you you would build the relationship. And it was a lot of those social interactions happened over food. And I think a lot of that in today's society. If you Uber eats, tell me about your relationship with your Uber eats driver. You don't have one, right? You know, it's already there. So a lot of the way we eat now is completely it's social constructs so to come back to the aspect of why do people think fat makes you fat honestly my observation of all of it because i don't think anyone could probably tell you where it comes from but it's publications it's media it's marketing because these are headlines that sell and if you look at all of the trends that really are in fitness and nutrition they started with newsprint articles like whether it was muscle mag oxygen insert woman's day whatever it was that people were reading at the time they pushed a headline that said fat makes you fat or fat doesn't make you fat. And you could get, I've got a collection of muscle mags over the years from the 80s, 90s, 2000s. If you look at the headlines, they're all more or less the same. But it's interesting when you look at those headlines in the 80s, what was being pushed and the agenda there and the agenda in the 90s. And it's all very similar, but it was all, I mean, who, who owns the supplement, supplement magazines? Who owns the muscle and fitness magazines? It's supplement companies. Yeah they're putting out things to get you interested in reading and most supplement magazines. And I, I keep referring to them as supplement magazines because in my head, that's what they are. Bodybuilding magazines and fitness magazines, their brochures to sell supplements is essentially what those magazines are. Just ads or just pages. And, ads, right? and now we don't really have that 
we don't have supplement and fitness magazines because magazine for the most part is dead. What we have now is influencers replaced the fitness magazines and influencers are paid by the same people, supplement companies. And inf- instead of influencers putting up, instead of it being headlines, influencers are putting up these reels and the reels are based on the same shit that the, they're pub- putting in the fitness magazines, right? It's the same headlines. It's six ways to get your abs. It's take these supplements to burn fat. It's the same shit. So fat makes you fat, I think is a catchy headline that makes people go, oh, well, if I, and people are pushing a high carb, high protein diet. People do push that, right? And it is an easy sell. To answer the question, where does it come from? I think it, it really comes from, I think from my observation is the people's companies need to just push an agenda and push something onto people as a way to grab onto and read and be interested and do another diet of the month. Because the next month, you know what the diet's gonna be? Is carbs make you fat, <laughs> right? And then they're gonna be selling you things that block carbs. Yeah. That's where it comes down to per- personal, everybody's different at the same time. High carb, high protein, high fat, high protein, whatever else, whatever's gonna be. At the end of the day, one is gonna work for some people, one's gonna work, not work for other. People go keto and oh my God, I lost so much weight. One, you cut out a whole food group. And two, you just probably lost a whole heap of water weight because you've got no glycogen left in there and you've just gone flat as attack. And you also reduced your calories. And yeah, you reduce your calories until you started lathering cheese on your bacon, on your sausages. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm putting weight back on again. Yes, yeah, like uh, 900 calorie breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're running out of time on this episode, but I suppose to dispel the whole fat makes you fat myth, what are some reasons why fat is important for fat loss? Let's cover that so we can flip that myth around. First of all, hormone production. Really? Yeah. Anti-inflammatory, pro-inflammatory. Yeah. 100%. Cholesterol. Cholesterol, which important. cholesterol then turns into our sex hormones, the Skin, Vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K. Yeah, nutrient, uh, yeah. yeah. They're all fat-soluble vitamins. Fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, K, E. If you're not eating enough fat, you're not getting those vitamins, essentially. Uh, it's well, a macronutrient for a reason. Let's see, and to be fair, it's they're essential fatty acids. As much as carbohydrates is... It's primary fuel source. It's not essential. We no, can survive without them. Can. Yeah, protein and, and fats are essential. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, again, we have essential fatty acids. You know, omega-3s, brain health. Joint inflammation. Joint inflammation. But even yeah. pro-inflammation, omega-6. Eye health. Immune system. You have a response to immune system. And there's actually some studies that show omega-3s can actually improve, I think it was mobility. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so having an adequate amount of- Just improving joint health or- Can't remember. Oh, actually, I will add this in because I did write about this in my book as well. But if you, you look at, yeah, I wrote a book. It's the Enterprise <laughs> Diet. There's the shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, high five. Awesome. <laughs> if you look at the research on fat from omega-3 perspective, so they've said, and it's been hypothesized, the Paleolithic diet had a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, one-to-one, right? If you look at the research, they've pointed out that omega, the optimal dose of omega-3 to omega-6 is anywhere from one, basically one to four. So you can have basically four times the omega-6 of the omega-3, right? The average diet in Western culture is one to seventeen, right? So one to seventeen is is hu- humongous. Like it's a humongous amount of, and that's why people are walking around very, very, very inflamed. So to bring down that inflammation, people obviously do need to in- decrease the amount of fat that they're having, but more so the vegetable oils and pro-inflammatory fats, Specific not the anti-inflammatory yeah. fats. And a lot of the fats, say, for example, in your vegetable oils, they're not going to contain the fat-soluble vitamins. The inflammation sequestering 
needed amino acids, fatty acids that are needed. So this is where you're looking at animal fats primarily that are going to be much richer in your omega-3s and your omega-6s. Although if you, some animal fats do have omega-6s yeah. as well. And if you don't know what the fats are, buy the book. I go through a whole chapter Simple, explaining. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's two chapters. Actually, I talk a lot about vegetables. This whole chapter. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think as well, like helping people understand the premise of fat loss, right? We know that the, the key thing is generally a calorie deficit in most instances because body fat is essentially stored energy. So we wanna be in an energy deficit to put our body in a position to have to burn that energy, which is where fat loss comes from. Do you know how you burn fat? Go on. Through your breath. There you go. So you oh, you just is that the only way? Yeah, just, well, breathe. Just, breathe just breathe more. Just breathe more. Look, mom, I'm burning fat. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out where the antics of Tyrone Heavy Breather is. <laughs> it's when he's doing his cardio <laughs> is when it is. Yeah, actually, no, 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 not yeah, too much anymore. Cardio doesn't burn fat, guys. Yeah. You can find me Facebook, Instagram, Coach Felino, Coach underscore Felino. And then you can find me down here at Enterprise Fitness on Swan Street, Richmond. Mr. Jamo. Same here, James Kelly PT on Instagram, and I'll always be around Enterprise Fitness also. And I'm Mark Turbury, owner and founder of Enterprise Fitness. You can find me at Mark Turbury, both on Instagram and on the talk, the tip of the talk. You, I've actually got a new outro for you. Oh, yeah? My name is Mark Tobre, owner and founder of Enterprise Fitness and the author of the, of the Enterprise Diet. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> what a promo. This guy, that's why he's the manager. That's it. Yeah, All the awesome. Plugs. So we do have a new book out. It's called The Enterprise Diet. Check it out. It's at enterprisediet.com. It details <laughs> our methods, our systems, our processes, everything that we do here at Enterprise Fitness to get the amazing results we have for thousands of clients. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe and hit like and leave a review. Until the next show, train, train hard, hard, eat well, well and supplement, supplement smart. smart. I think we've been here for a while. <laughs> awesome.